How many need a little encouragement this morning? Anybody? You guys look pretty encouraged. Need some? Always need some encouragement, right? Well, let me encourage you. We're going to look uh, this. We're going to start a little lighthearted this morning. We're going to look at a list of ten people that'll make you feel better about yourself if you need if you need some encouragement. All right? Can you can you uh, accept this encouragement this morning? This is in no particular order. This is from my favorite and only news source that I seek out every day. Uh, Okay, so Adam. We all know who Adam is, right? You may be feeling a little down today, maybe a little blue. But did sin and death enter the world through you? See, you're not so bad. So, Samson, his girlfriend betrayed him to be tortured by enemies twice. And the third time, he still fell for it. Come on. Jonah, this guy, tried to run away from the creator of the universe on a boat. Way stupider than you. All right. I'm not implying that. That sounds like I'm implying that you're stupid. You're not. Abraham, you may have messed up today. But did you lie about your wife being your sister? Twice? That's not good. Balaam, this prophet of God, beat his donkey, who was only trying to save Balaam from getting killed by an angel with a flaming sword. Ouch. Aaron, this guy should really make you feel good about yourself. Aaron, first he helps lead the miraculous exodus. Then he leads millions of people into idolatrous demon worship. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. David, he failed to install a covenant eyes filter on his rooftop, uh, leading to adultery, murder, and ultimately his kingdom's destruction. That, that puts your mistakes in perspective. Paul, before encountering Jesus, he literally went from town to town murdering Christians. Probably worse than anything you'll do today. And then Cain, this guy thought offering someone vegetables was a good idea. That's how messed up he was. All right, and then finally Peter, One of Jesus' favorite disciples, he's in the inner three, uh, rebuked Jesus over his plan to die for our sins. So yeah, that was pretty stupid in hindsight. So I don't know, if that encouraged you, good. But I just thought that would be a good little segue into our our message today. Um, That was from the Babylon Bee, by the way, if you want a a great news source. That's the only news source I seek out. Uh, Helps it go down easy. So yeah. Maybe you think less of me for even saying that, but that's okay. Um, So we're going to get into this week's question. This week's question. Aren't all people basically good? And per that opening video, um, that's why I said that was pretty good. I don't have to to say anything. But uh, it was a great segue into this. So I have good news and bad news. Uh, I'll start with the bad news first. Okay. And we'll get into the good news. You like, you know, good endings, right? So people are not basically good. That's the bad news. Can you, can you uh, receive that? All right, so let's start with something we're probably all good at. We may have been better at it in the past or whatever, but I think we can all kind of relate. We're all good at the comparison game. Are we, have we ever played that game before? Are we all good at the comparison game? So, people uh, tend to declare their goodness excluding themselves from the rest of the world. 
See, I, I've, I'm pretty good, right? We saw this opening video. I'm going to try to not con continually re uh, re refer to that. But, you know, it all starts with, I've never murdered anybody. I never raped anybody. I don't know why that's always got to be thrown in there. But, I, you know, I've never, I never smoked. Not that evil or something. Now I guess it's vaped. Um, uh, heck! I've never even cussed before. See how I use the word heck? Never even cussed before. So Andrew Womack would say, who wants to be the best sinner in hell? You know, right? He's, he's, that's his one-liner kind of thing. So that's usually how it goes. And, and um, you know, you hear these crazy stories and then you, you think, man, at least I'm not that bad. You know, you're, you're kind of, as a culture, as society, I know I'm not talking to you guys, I'm talking to everybody else. But, uh, you know, you, you, you tend to, to uh, refer to and, and build other people's lives and then you kind of weigh yourself against that. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm way better. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get dark for just a second here. But So there's a story I heard. This is horrible. But this is kind of what we sometimes society, culture, compares themselves to. But this story about a lady, these two neighbor ladies, and they're both pregnant, apparently, at the same time, and all this stuff, and, um, you know, excited and stuff. Well, this one neighbor lady, this is tragic, back in 2005, she beat the other lady with a baseball bat, dragged her out in the woods, and tried to cut her child out of her body. This, obviously, this other woman was a total psycho. And, um, but thank God, there's kind of a silver lining here that a, a young man, 17 years old, was riding to the woods in an ATV. He saw the whole thing and the woman ended up living and her child was delivered. Everything was good. But that's, you know, it, these stories, we hear these horrific stories and there's, you know, an overwhelming amount of horrible stories like that. But, like, that's, that's the standard, you know, that we judge, people judge themselves by like, ugh. There's no way I'm, I'm even close to that bad. You know, that's, that's, that's horrible. And then it, it just goes on and on and on. And, you know, people like to, like to check off their, their, um, their I'm a good person boxes. Like, I've, I've, I haven't missed church in 30 years. Or, uh, you know, I've, in the same vein, I'm, I, I've served on the choir. I've sang in the choir for my whole life or whatever. And, and uh, I, I, I help at the orphanage or I help at the, at the assisted living facility, or what, whatever, fill in, the, fill in the blank. We like to um, check off our, our I'm good boxes, right? I'm good enough boxes. And, and uh, we, we, know the, we know the game, right? But the comparison game is a, is a, big, a big time thing. Um, 2 Corinthians 10, 12 tells us that it is unwise. This is Paul right, writing this by inspiration. The Holy Spirit says it's unwise to compare ourselves among ourselves. So that's, that's a bad thing, the comparison game. So if you have an issue with the comparison game, just remember that, that verse in 2 Corinthians 10-12 that tells us it is unwise to compare ourselves among ourselves. So let's, we're just going to look at a couple verses in, in Scripture, what God, God's Word, which is our standard. I've, we've kind of reiterated that over and over. What, what His Word has to say about this subject. So in Ecclesiastes 7.20, this is in the message uh, translation, paraphrase, says there's not one totally good person on earth, not one who is truly pure and sinless. 
And if you want to get fancier, the King James says, For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. So, there's our first scripture as far as answering the question, aren't all people basically good? Let's go on to Isaiah 53.6. It says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the key two words here in this verse is every one. Not a single person is excluded from this. Everyone is turned to their own way. And I think there's one more here. We're all kind of familiar with this, if you're familiar with the Romans Road thing, but this Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all missed it. We're all in need of a Savior. So this, again, these big, huge words the Bible uses is all. That covers everyone. We've all missed it. We've all missed that mark of falling short of God's glory. I used to have a bumper sticker on my car back in the day. It said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, I would correct that bumper sticker because if God said it, that just settles it right there. It doesn't matter if I believe it or not. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. God said it, that settles it, right? So, whether you believe it or not. So, God is, by definition, holiness, right? There's not a single drop of sin in his nature, in his character. He is holy, and we've heard it reiterated over and over. Pastor Chad taught us, you know, that word holy is set apart. God is, is holy. He's the standard. He is holiness itself. So, and he abhors sin, right? He he hates it. He doesn't he doesn't rank sin like we you know like like we do. Like mm, it's not so bad. It's pretty bad, or it's really bad. Like there's no ranking of sin, right? So again, we can you know it go down that road, and I, I keep wanting to refer to that opening video. It was so funny. <laughs> it's so funny, but uh. Our finite minds have a very difficult time, don't they? And when it comes to looking at sin or missing the mark and, and trying to give it a grade, right? So we have a, our finite minds have a, a difficult time processing that in the big picture of sin, that murder is equal to stealing a pack of gum. Now, both of them are sin, right? But obviously the consequences are much, much different. But it is sin. And I, I believe um, this, this illustration, just to kind of like throw it out there, is, is, could be used as far as Pastor Chad's used this. I know that I've, I've um, I don't know if you got it from Andrew Mack, but the pane of glass thing. You have a pane of glass. You shoot through it with a BB and makes a little hole or you throw a whole piano through it. Like, it has to be replaced. It's, it's broken, right? And that's, that's that picture of, of that sin. Like, how we can't process in our mind, like, 
There's no way it could be the same. It's sin is sin. People say sin is sin. And the fact is, it is. And it needs to be dealt with. And it was dealt with. We're gonna, I don't want to get ahead of myself uh, through Jesus. But imagine a world with no moral absolutes. You know, we, we've mentioned relativism, all that, what's, you know, your truth is your truth and all that stuff. So imagine a world without moral absolutes. So the actions of the woman, that horrifying story I just mentioned a couple minutes ago, the actions of the woman who committed the violent act and the boy who came to her rescue would be considered equal in, in, a, in a world with no moral absolutes. So having no objective standard, like we, our objective standard, our standard is the Word of God. That's where we get truth. So having no objective standard of right or wrong means that there's no reason to condemn the motives and actions of the woman who did that horrific act of brutally beating her neighbor and trying to cut her child out of her. Those motives and actions, you, you couldn't condemn them, and then you couldn't praise the other, the boy, for saving her. It would just be stuff that happened if there was no moral absolute. Isn't that weird to think? Like, we can't, that does not compute with our heads, right? We're going to see why, but it would just come down to stuff that happened if there was no moral absolute. So here, here's, the real, here's the real deal. We know. Since the time our, however many greats it is going back, Adam and Eve, since the time of, from the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we intuitively know the difference between good and evil. It's, we were, that's when a conscience came into place. That's when our conscience was, was birthed at that, at that time. So, but no matter how hard we try, right? We try, but we keep messing up, right? No matter how hard we try, we mess up. We're all kind of in the same boat. In Matthew 15, 19, this is Jesus talking. Um, there were, you know, the Pharisees were trying to uh, pin some not washing your hands stuff on the disciples and, and getting Jesus riled up or something and he didn't. He said, uh, that's, not, that's not the issue. It's, it's, a hard issue. The, it's a hard issue. He pointed to the heart. And he said, for from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. So this all comes down to it's a heart issue. This whole, this whole thing we're, we're talking about. And as I was thinking about this and, and I was going back and forth especially this morning about whether I would even mention this but um, I was thinking about this and the song popped in my head it's just somebody I, I listened to quite a bit back in the day and still occasionally but there's a song called What's Wrong With This World and the chorus goes I'm what's wrong with this world I'm bent, warped, wicked, I'm weak my heart's twisted, torn, tempted this world is not what's wrong with me I'm what's wrong with this world and that's a picture of a person uh, with an evil heart. Because out of, that's what we see manifested across the globe, these atrocities, 
like the, the horrific story I, I talked about, that was out of that person's heart came those issues, right? And then the, a lyric, the lyric, another lyric in this song says, I don't, I don't need your help to be devilish and dark. I confess I made this mess while using just my heart. And then the repeat chorus is, change my heart, God, change my heart, God, change my heart. So that's, that's where all this stuff, good or evil, comes from, is from a man's heart. Romans 7.19 says, for the, and again, this is something else, I was just sitting there and, and going through the message and studying, and, and that uh, scripture once that Paul wrote, 719 says, For the, the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. And he's speaking be, that, about that battle in our soul between the flesh and the spirit for our, our soul. Our, there, there's a battle for our soul. That's, anybody read The Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer? So that's a great book. That's a, it's a great Christian one-on-one book to read. <laughs> because our spirit man and our flesh are are fighting for that, that territory of our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. And, and that's where it, where it all comes down. But Romans, going further down in Romans, Romans 8, 6 says, to be carnally minded, our mind is where our soul is, for to be carnally minded is death. So as you, the more you give into your fleshly nature, which the Bible says nothing good dwells in our flesh, our flesh wants to eat what it wants to eat. It wants to sleep with who it wants to eat. It just is self-centered and just like, it, you know, it's all, about, it's all about me, right? The flesh. But then it goes on to say to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And what's spiritually minded? It's thinking the way God thinks. How does God think? Well, His Word is the way God thinks. So the more we sow that Word into our heart, the more we give ourselves to hearing, to allowing ourselves to be washed by the water of the Word, that Word's going to take root in our heart. I love that noise, by the way. Um, that The Word of God takes root in our heart. And remember, I, I kind of made mention, we'll read the Scripture, but out of our heart, this is where all these issues are coming from in our lives and in people's lives. It's coming out of their heart. So that's, it's so vital that we're aware of what's going into our heart. Through, I mentioned it before, through our ear gate, through our eye gate, what we think on. Those, even thoughts, the enemy will bring thoughts to our mind and then it turns into an imagination. And then it starts turning into a manifestation after a while in our life. But we need to be aware. So let's get into some better news, some good news here. Right? Let's get into the, the good news. We're going to start in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel. I guess this is all good news. You've got to be aware of any of the schemes of the enemy. So Ezekiel 36.26 says, A new heart will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And Ezekiel's prophecy here of a spiritual rebirth to come is saying there will be new want-tos with this new heart of flesh. It, this, the following scripture talks about um, this new heart that you'll be given. You'll, you'll desire to, to do 
what the Lord desires for you to do. That's my paraphrase. But this new heart that Ezekiel was prophesying about, this was speaking of the future. This was speaking when Jesus came and the Messiah and, and, and paid the price that needed to be paid for sin and, and, and made a way of, of resurrection of our spirit. But that new heart he's talking about is going to come with new want-tos. And that's the simplest way I know how to say it. In the book of Philippians, Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. So God, as a child of God, God is working in you to do good, to do things that please Him. He, whether you think it or not, we don't have to rely on our own. Please don't rely on your own abilities. <laughs> but grab hold of this truth in Philippians 2.13 and thank God for working in you. I thank God for working in me both to will and to do His good pleasure in my life. To see His, His vision for my life. His dreams for my life. His will for my life. He's working in each and every one of us to play that out in our life in Christ. We do not have to do it on our own or in our own ability because we, apart from Him, have no ability. Let's look in, in Romans 5 and see one of the ways He works in us um, that's really good because um, we need this. Romans 5.5 5 says, For God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So God's love, we know that God's love, we've seen it and heard it at weddings, right? 1 Corinthians 13. God did not... Let's, let me back up. God equipped us so well. So He loved a world that was His enemies. With that perfect agape love. I believe Pastor Chad just heard something on Rome regarding that, so go and check that out. But God poured His love when He gave us a new heart at our, at our rebirth, our born-again experience. He gave us His love. He poured His love into our spirit that we have the ability to love others with. Isn't that cool? So regardless of how we're treated, regardless of how we feel about somebody, we have the ability through Holy Spirit shedding God's love abroad in our heart. We have the ability to walk in the same love that Jesus walked in that we saw on earth. Right? We're, his, we're actually called His representatives. We're His ambassadors on the earth. And He has equipped us with the same stuff, I'll keep it simple, that he had to walk victoriously on the earth. He was the prototype. He was our model. And we're his kids. We should look just like him. Right? We should just look just like the fathers, the heavenly fathers, kids. And let's look at another way that God works in us in Galatians 5. Galatians 5. This is pretty uh, popular. Everybody knows the fruit of the Spirit, right? I thought the Amplified Classic did a really good job um, of breaking down some things and kind of 
uh, amplifying some things. So, but the, it says, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which His presence within accomplishes, is love, joy, or gladness, peace, patience, and even temper, or forbearance, kindness, goodness, that's benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness, which is meekness, humility, self-control, self-restraint, or confidence. And this is a picture of God's nature that has been placed in our born-again spirit. So, as a child of God, if you've embraced Jesus, confessed Jesus as your Lord and received Him as your Savior, He has placed His nature in you. And this is a beautiful picture of His nature. And you might be thinking, I don't think I've ever seen any of these in me. I don't know. Or a lot of these in me. I don't see these very often. Well, this is in you by your new rebirth. This is part of your new creation reality. And we have a choice to yield to this in us and or to not. So given to our that would be giving into your flesh and, and what it wants to do, right? So Second Corinthians five twenty one says, For our sake he made him so the Father, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. So Jesus never sinned. He was sinless, right? But he, made, he was made sin. And that was all by faith. Jesus had, you know what Jesus had received? Be made sin by faith. Because he never sinned. So that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. So we have right standing with God through Jesus. And we've heard that a thousand times, haven't we? But we need to understand that it's not about being good enough. Jesus was the one that was good enough. And, and we saw that a little bit ago. But He accomplished what, was, what we could never accomplish. And now we have that right standing with God through Jesus Christ. Let's go to Colossians, Colossians 1. This is one of the... We're coming in for a landing already, right? You guys hungry for ribs? All right. Colossians 1.22. I've kind of said it before, but this is like one of my favorite scriptures. That first chapter of Colossians is just... Mm, it's good. You should feed on it. Um, 1.22 says, Yet now He has reconciled you to Himself through the death of Christ in His physical body. And as a result, He has brought you into His own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before Him without a single fault. So this is what you look like as a child of God. You're, you stand before Him in Christ Completely blameless. Holy. Remember I said in the beginning, God is holiness. And as His children, we have been made holy. Not by being good enough. That probably goes without saying, but it's kind of the topic. Answering the question, isn't everybody basically good? 
Apart from God, no. God is good. He is good. And, he, and we cannot be good apart from Him. Anything good in our life comes from Him. 2 Corinthians 1.22 in the New Living Translation says, He has identified us as His own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything He has promised. So we are, another translation says that we have been sealed with Holy Spirit. You know that in your spirit, is in your born-again spirit, I should clarify. In your born-again spirit, there is no sin. And it has been sealed as a down payment, as the first installment, this translation says, that guarantees everything He has promised us in Christ. That is beautiful. And it's so, I'll just kind of throw this out there, but it's so important as children of God, as believers, disciples to understand that truth of that we are spirit soul and body because for so many years that was just such a place of confusion for me and i've heard it reiterated by people over and over that have given themselves to the teaching of spirit soul and body and and, and if you want to check that out um andrew Womack's website Kara's website there's tons of teaching on that we actually went through uh, some here but that's such a vital thing to understand that we are a triune being. We have a spirit. We are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. And just understanding that will help you walk out a much more victorious life in Christ rather than fighting and struggling and getting irritated and annoyed with you know, your flesh and I'll never be good enough and all this stuff. It's, it's, it's finding your identity in Christ. Who you are in Christ. And and who, who you are, who of your reborn spirit is in Christ that's fully equipped with everything you need to walk out a life of victory in this life. And uh, I just keep, I feel like I'm tripping over my words, but it's such a valid um, point to kind of try to drive home for me. So, you know, there's only, two, there's only two groups of people on the planet. There's not good and bad. There's in Christ and in Adam. Those are the, those are the two groups. In Christ and in Adam. If, you are, if you're in Christ, if you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you're righteous, you're holy, you have a new heart and desires in that new heart to please God and walk in His ways and abundant life, talked about in John 10.10, 10, belongs to you. So that's a picture. That's a beautiful picture of a life in Christ. That's, that's the group that's in Christ. Now in Adam, if you're still in Adam, you have a sin nature. You were born with it. And having that sin nature, you're, you know, it, it sounds harsh, but the simple truth is those in Adam are spiritually dead. And out of that state, your heart is producing that death. But there's good news. 
And it's really simple. You know, we all, looking at, at our group here, I know that we all uh, are born again children of God, but um, it's a real simple thing to go from in Adam to in Christ. Jesus accomplished everything that was, that was needed. And again, I told you it was, it all comes down to a heart issue. It's not of, am I good enough? It's not of, hey, I'm pretty good compared to that person thing. No, it's, it's a heart issue. And uh, what's your heart look like? And you know, Proverbs 4.23 says that all of the issues of life spring out of our heart. So if your heart is not renewed, if you don't have that new heart of, of flesh talked about, we talked about in Ezekiel, you need that. You need a heart that's pliable and that's moldable and that uh, is, is, is sensitive uh, to God's um, molding and shaping in your life. And, and uh, that really is, is what it comes down to. And, and maybe, maybe you, you are tired of the struggle, you know, and, and uh, trying to be good enough, trying to measure up and all the stuff. And, uh, and I'll, if you're out there and watching this uh, digitally or listening to this somewhere down the road, I'm going to point you to Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says uh, pretty clearly that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, it's, it's not about being good enough. It says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, that you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And there was a point in my life where I saw my need for a Savior. I, I, I couldn't have worded it this way as a 13-year-old kid, but I saw myself in my sin. My eyes were opened. I saw, I just knew I needed saving. You know, I'd, I'd grown up in the church, you know, probably, you know, there's all kinds of little um, cliches you could use there, but riding on coattails and whatever. But there was a moment in my life that, boom, Holy Spirit like showed me, revealed to me my need for Jesus. And I cried out to Him and He saved me. Just like this verse says. I mean, you know, everybody, there's no, there's no formula. And the Bible says any, all those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. I mean, I've heard somebody even pray Prayer of salvation, Lord, take my life and do something with it. That's enough. <laughs> but he, he, he's, the Holy Spirit's wooing us, wooing those who are still in Adam to the heart of the Father that everything's cool. It's all been taken care of in Jesus. And, and we actually have that ministry of reconciliation to let everybody know you've been reconciled. You've been set back into harmony with the Father through Jesus. The price has already been paid. All you need to do is just say yes and receive. It's, it's a free gift, right? Grace is a, is a free gift. I, I'd like to read in, in actual closing, um, I'd like to read a, a verse out of uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. We all kind of know this. This verse, and this talks about uh, 
that point when we have said yes to Jesus. When we have said yes and we become those new creations in Christ Jesus that the Bible talks about. And this is out of the Passion Translation. I'm actually going to read a little footnote here also that goes along with it. I thought it was really uh, kind of like expounded well on it. But it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 in the Passion, it says, Now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. So if you are tired of the old man, here's your invitation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. So that old nature, that old spirit, at the time of embracing Jesus, is the time of being born again, is completely wiped away. And here's a footnote that I'll read before I continue on with this verse. It says, This would include our old identity, our, our life of sin, the power of Satan, the religious works of trying to please God. Has anybody been down that road of, of religion and trying to earn your upkeep? You know, <clears throat> Our old relationship with the world, our old mindsets, we are not reformed or simply refurbished. We are made completely new by our union with Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And this verse, is, this verse goes on to say, Behold, everything is fresh and new. Behold, a new order has come. And God has made all... This is verse 18... And God has made all things new and reconciled us to Himself and given us, like I said earlier, the ministry of reconciling others to God. So it's not just throwing a new coat of paint on the old spirit. It's a completely new creation. It's a complete, we have a completely new heart. So again, we started out saying that the question this week are, aren't all people basically good? And the solid answer is, apart from God, no. Apart from God, I mean, you know, it's used over and over a little, but you know, it's an easy illustration. You look at an infant, and as they grow into that toddler stage, nobody has to teach them to be selfish. Nobody has to teach them to think about only themselves, right? That shows a nature there. That shows a, a nature. That's, that's the in-Adam nature. That's sin nature. And um, so we need a new nature. And God has freely offered it to everyone through Jesus Christ. And that is the good that we get to step into. He is good. And everything He does is good. And then going back to Galatians 5, part of His nature that is poured on the inside of our spirit, there is goodness in that. That is a possibility. Everything we read in that list of the fruit of the Spirit is possible to see, to walk out, to be manifest in your life as you, as you walk abiding in Christ as you walk abiding in Him. And stop trying to be and stop trying to upkeep 
in yourself and be good enough. We all know that we're, we weren't good enough. That's why Jesus came, right? That's really why Jesus came. We didn't have it in us. We had nothing in us to be good enough. Even, even the law that was given to Moses. The word says no one, nobody has ever been made righteous or put in right standing with God by keeping the law. No, that was just a tool. That was a schoolmaster. That was to show us you need a Savior. And that was Jesus. He was good enough. He took the test that we couldn't take and pass. He aced it. I'll reference it one more time. <laughs> that opening video. When Jesus stepped on those scales and the result was good enough. And he threw all the efforts of that guy's file right into the pile and that's it. And that's the reality of our life in Christ. Is that we weren't good enough but we embraced who was good enough. And we get his test score. We got what he accomplished. And that's so good. So stop trying to be good. And just embrace the one who is good. And uh, live in him. Abide in him. And find your identity in him. And that's really the biggest thing. Is If you want a, a great study in the word of God. In the, in the New Testament. Find all those scriptures that talk about in Him, in Christ, in whom, because it's talking about you as a, as a child of the living God, a new creation in Christ. Those are your new creation realities. So that about does it for this, this week. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close in prayer. And we're going to have one more song. Um, so I, I think, do, do we answer the, the question? Uh, is everybody basically good? I don't know. I just want to end with a real hard, heavy pointing to Jesus at the end of this. Because he's the only one that's good. And uh, that's what it comes down to. All right? So let's close in prayer and we will worship. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.